0: Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around cybersecurity for 20 years and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors and companies. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigued to learn how company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated this security architecture podcast and i have a pleasure here to talk to Avon. Avon, you're here in toronto local even so we're recording this over the zoom can you tell me about yourself
1: hi evgeny thanks for having me i'm ivan serini co-founder and ceo of fruit
0: Ivan, can you tell me like an elevator pitch what do you guys do
1: hmm yeah definitely our mission is to help businesses provide secure user experiences for their customers on their websites and the web applications
0: the company been around for about four or five years correct
1: some yes you can say that but we had quite a lot of pivots and changes before we really began growing so for the first year and a half we did not really exist at all just two co-founders myself and Vitaly. Thinking about ideas and uh, validating some thoughts and mostly actually invalidating assumptions and proving ideas wrong. And then only during the COVID pandemic, we really found what we do and uh, really began growing.
0: So let's go back in time a bit. You mentioned there was a company that was co-founders with some of the ideas. What motivated you even to start the company? What happened in your life that you decided, okay, it's time for me right now to do something else?
1: Yeah, very interesting question, and I have—I don't have an answer except for I don't know what anything else I would be doing, so or I could be doing. Myself and Vitali, we were co-founders together of our previous company, and at that point we began thinking, what is next for us? What is going to be the next chapter? What what other massive problems can we solve? And I know it's a long way to answer, but I don't think there is anything else I would be doing but growing a new business.
0: So you finished, you sold, I'm not sure exactly, but the last company, yes. I guess it was a lot of lessons learned when you went to the venture to think about the problem you want to solve, yeah. what was in your mind that you kind of knew you would do differently maybe from the yeah. previous company?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, you're actually just almost like you're reading the mind. <laughs> I remember ourselves. Talking like, hey, what are we going to do differently in this company, in the next company? Look at all the lessons and, you know, scars we've gained and all the muscles we've grown while building the first one. And seeing it from an idea, pivoting on that idea three, four, five times and then watching it all the way to the exit. And then thinking, how can we leverage this experience and how can we not repeat every single mistake that we already made? So it was quite an interesting experience that we had a couple of years ago.
0: Can you share some of the things you knew you will not do?
1: Some of the things we will not do is, it might sound benign, but it's not validating and finding product market fit. Mm -hmm. Like everything starts with the product market fit. And in conjunction with that, in parallel or in concert with that is the team. Having a really strong co-founder and a really good team, a strong team in the company. And now I
0: think you're in my mind, because I was actually wanting to ask. You started with sour ideas. How do you do market research? How do you validate if this is the correct path to go?
1: How Here's what I, we've done, what I've done. I was treating it like if it's a real business, like assuming here is the problem and here is a possible solution to this. And I was speaking with a number of people that I believe would could be potential customers. Uh, I was uh, meeting with them, talking about if it's a problem, what kind of. Pro- it's not asking me if it is a problem, but indirectly understanding w- what is their life like, what it is, the- what kind of uh, tasks or you know jobs they're tasked to-, to do. What do they need to solve, and then understanding what it is co- that like trying to project it into the future, what it's going to look like in a year, two, three, four, five years from now, to find this massive kind of need or the, the demand that will be coming but it's not obvious yet and then beginning to pre-sell the product essentially telling you know being up front we're thinking about this product here's an mvp that we have and here's what we're planning to do and here's the cost to it and when if once we had an mvp that people were ready to pay before it was really even that much useful that's when we i realized that okay there is actually a need for it like it Because organizations are are buying from us even without having a full product in place already.
0: What made companies to meet with you, to hear you, because many companies that I'm talking to have a problem to even have a meeting with the customer. But you're saying you went to people and told them about something potentially you will do and you got the feedback.
1: Yeah. So I was actually reaching out through Warm Network, people I knew in the industry. And cold network people I didn't know I would find on LinkedIn 10, 20, 30, 50 people that fit the profile that I think would care about the problem that we're looking at. And then reaching out to them saying that this is the problem we're you know, building a company trying to solve this problem. Wanted to chat with you to see, to get your input and your experience and your, basically your input on this and your view on this problem and our approach to solving it. And we actually, I was getting quite a lot of replies and people was like, yeah, I would love, happy to chat with you and have a quick call. And they would have a Zoom call like this and tell us, I would show them what we we're thinking. They would tell us what they are doing, what they would want to do, what kind of problems they face. And then many of them ask, hey, by the way, can I use your product? Do you have this already or not? Can you tell us, can, can we test it out? Can we be your guinea pigs? And that's how we gained the first set of customers.
0: So you sold the egg before the chicken, in a way. And you also mentioned that you already price it somehow. How do you decide how to price it? This is a quite problematic users, sessions, appliances. There are so many different factors you can do.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's pricing and packaging. It's a big, (laughs) big topic overall. We tried and we experimented with so many pricing models. I don't know, like dozens of pricing models. So, first of all, we priced, uh, we tried anything from a typical SaaS model, from like $100 a month, all the way to the enterprise of $100,000, $200,000 a year. Obviously, not for the same product, but as the product had matured. And then we found the set of experiments, a good balance between the value that we provide, the kind of savings that we help our customers get. Whether it's saving in hours, savings in the need of purchasing extra tools, or they would stop buying certain tools so they can eliminate some budget line items. And then lend it in a pricing model that is easily understandable and easily scalable for the customer so that they see like, yeah, if I get this, then it actually means I can eliminate maybe four or five different tools. And that also saves me X amount of dollars. And it's also going to save me some human time. It's like I don't know, like hundred hours a month or something like that.
0: Was there any big wins that told you that okay, I'm a correct pass, I'm actually moving to the holy land, you know, to where I want to be?
1: Wins, like absolutely, like every in my journey, in our journey, every win means that there's at least a dozen of losses. So it's, it's like it's a peaks and valleys, and the peaks are really high, but they're quite rare and far a few when you compare to the valleys and yeah definitely lots of wins so we did win there's quite amazing brands and logos that are on our website that's uh, early customer wins which were amazing to us like we are actually helping them solve a real problem and they're telling us that they're solving a real problem and they're giving us and very active feedback and input re- putting requests into their roadmap and that was an amazing and still amazing experience to
0: cease, I think when customers provide feedback, if it's bad or good feedback, it's always good because it's helping to become better and understand that you're moving in the right direction. He also mentioned team, that one of your goals was to hire the good team. How you decide what is the good team? Do you have values? Do you hire people that are similar to you or maybe opposite to you?
1: Yeah. Ooh team it's a really important topic and a thing it calls all comes down to human we're all humans we're all people and there are i've noticed a trend is as a, any company whether this one or the previous one she you know goes through the its stages its growth stages a different set of experiences mindsets and skills is needed and i did notice is from my experience that it's really Helpful to match the type of the, the, creating the right environments for the type of skills and aspirations and aptitudes that people have in the company. That means that to cut the chase, in the early stage, when you're two, three people, it's a, you, you need a go getters that can survive from what they hunt, essentially. And they, they understand it's going to be really hard in the beginning. And then once you, the next stage, you need a bit more people who are still really startup friendly in terms of how they set their own goals, how they motivate themselves, how they manage themselves and how they inspire and motivate others in a team. But at the same time, they do need to have still a lot of entrepreneurial kind of evangelistic kind of qualities in them because that's what customers really need. We're... One of our values is customer centricity. What that means is thinking from the point of the customer and thinking stepping into their shoes, walking a mile in someone else's shoes to really understand what is their experiences going to be like or is like using whatever tools they use or whatever problems that they're facing. What is a day in in the life of a customer looks like and how we fit in. So I think that empathetic quality, customer centricity quality is super critical for us. And then, as uh, so a company grows, there is a different set of people coming in. Where it's more, you need less of a SWAT team that will capture the beachhead to more of a regular military force that will land and expand. So that's where you will need a little bit more of a different skill sets and uh, mindsets and types of people that will really thrive in that environment. Because again, the customer centricity point of view also translates to employee and team member centricity, like. And for me, it's about creating the environment where people can thrive.
0: I asked, what are you changing this business? But now, if you want to go back three years ago, what are the advice you can give to yourself when you started this new business? Now, as you know, everything you know, already.
1: Yeah. Actually, what advice I would give myself? Make decisions even quicker. And, but overall... Like it's an incredible journey. There are things that in hindsight, I can say, yeah, I could have done better. We could have done better. We could have improved something. But at the same time, if we didn't do it, we wouldn't be here. It's like you kind of take a, you know, an audience from a soup and expect a soup to keep the same flavor. So the only advice I would give myself is sh- sh- make even quicker decisions, make even more clear processes, more clear... Exp- I would say implementing management by metrics.
0: Can you elaborate uh, what's management by metrics mean?
1: Yeah, there is. So we are a Y Combinator company. And uh, one of the post-Y Combinator programs that we were accepted to we've learned something that is called management by metrics and it has been basically an incredible experience it leveled us up it uh, helped it helped bring all the operational issues to the surface within weeks and all the operational problems and company problems within weeks so that means it doesn't eliminate the problem but at least we know now know what are the bottlenecks so we can start solving them so the management by metrics approach is very clear it was really helpful for us Um, Extremely grateful and appreciative for the Y combinator to, to help us with that.
0: Oh, for one, one thing it helped you solve. Yeah.
1: So, how it helped us, so we've developed something that is called company equation. It's a very simple value chain flow through the company. And it helped us see what are the metrics, who what are the ownership, who is the CEO in the company of every part of the business and help under, uh, identify where we need help, where we can throw support, where we can throw coaching, extra resources if some of the areas are need improvement. And at the same time, if something is really working, we can double down on. So then uh, that approach actually helped identify it. Here's actually key components in our, for example, go-to-market strategy that are really working very well. And here is uh, what we should double down on. And that helped us identify it in weeks rather than months or quarters or years then it's just one example of how it would benefit us.
0: Yeah, I remember you telling me that you created a very strict or guideline process for POC. And if it's media criteria, then it's moving on. If it doesn't need the criteria, don't waste your time. I guess it's one of the examples. of. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. It's one of the examples. On a POC example, it's, again, comes to customer centricity. We can run a POC, we can help a customer. But when we know that the customer is not going to succeed, during the POC is not, you know, it's not a right environment, that there is some absolute blockers that should be tackled first before going to the POC, we would be doing a disservice to go into the POC if we see that there's a certain underwater rocks that are in place already. So hence, we do need to make sure that it fits the criteria so that we are positioned to help the customer and customer's position in the best possible way to succeed during the POC.
0: So let's switch gears. We're going to talk, move and talk about dark side. Right now, this section is open, but eventually it will be for members only. And in the dark side, we're talking about what's going wrong, like horror stories. Maybe bad meetings with customers, maybe bad POCs, or when you were waiting for the PO and you're, you're counting how you're going to expand the team, and then it fell through. Or maybe the days when you say, like, what am I even doing here? Why am I working in the company? You need to close everything, go home go to Hawaii and just store for the
1: entire day. Ooh, the horror stories. I'm thinking we definitely have ups and downs. I wouldn't say a horror story comes, it pops right into my mind, but we did happen. Everything that you explained, we had a really bad POC experiences. We did have, so. what I will do is I can definitely share this. Is one of our capabilities in our product set and our platform is a crawler. is a scanner shows everything that is present including all the problems sometimes some companies are in the middle of an accident incident or a breach or data and it's visible to us when we're looking from outside there could be some malicious code or something else malware already present and a real one of the horror stories that we learn is that companies do not and people do not want to see that they have something bad going on. There's it's actually when we're showing when we have shown it a couple of times, almost like did a disservice to a customer that they saw it and they did not can, you know proceed to remediate in the same way if people don't see it themselves first. So hence we we stopped showing, I mean, during demo our first conversations with the company, stop showing the results and scans of their own organizations. Even if, including when they're insisting and asking, can you show it to us? We'd say, no, you can see it for yourself. You can <laughs> scan and take a look yourself, but we are not going to present it and we're not going to show it. And the only reason is because we notice a trend when we show it. People just don't proceed to the same, with the same discipline in remediating those issues as they do when we're not showing it to them. So that was actually a big learning for us.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Guest customers want to say, okay, I found it myself versus you found and you show me I'm wrong. That's a very good example in this case. Yeah. I know you mentioned you pivoted multiple times. Maybe you can share some of the experience about you realize, okay, this is not going anywhere. I need to switch and I need to go to a different direction of the company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, when we began kind of taking a really more serious look at the product validation, product market fit, uh, we I was interviewing companies and uh, different organizations practitioners of privacy more of on the privacy side because GDPR was just coming into effect and uh, there was a, a lot of buzz around GDPR. We even had some really strong early interest from companies to help them with GDPR in late 2018, early 2019. In early 2019, we actually had developed and released the first prototype of a product. And by basically in three months, we just said, we need to sun- sunset it. We, it's not going to be a, a massive uh, company for us if we continue. Because uh, OneTrust was doing really well. And it turned out to be that we wanted to do very similar things to what OneTrust was doing. And just following the crossing the chasm methodology and approach to business planning. It was like all the early market forces already working in the favor of that organization we are not going to be a winner on that market if we continue. So we actually hard stop it. So between January 2019 and essentially April 2019, we killed it. And uh, we pivoted into a different problem and into a different product market fit uh, hypothesis. And that was adjacent, but very different from a privacy management platform. And that's that step moving into scanning, crawling, led to where we are now. And how we ended up here is uh, essentially our customers, early MVP users of summer 2019 and fall of 2019, began really pulling us into one specific use case that they had is they they were saying, we have no idea what is going on a page with all the scripts, tags, JavaScript tags and CSS elements loaded. And can you tell us What is going on? Can you tell us what is every script doing? Is anyone stealing information? Do we have any misconfigurations? Do we have any kind of issues? So that's kind of how we got pulled into exactly the use case that we tackle now.
0: Avant, thank you very much. Anything else you want to add?
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Evgenio. And thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Very good episode. A lot of good information about pivoting and changing and not afraid to change. And I think it's very important to make decisions amazing quick as well. Everyone, thank you very much. And for the people that are still listening to us, thank you for joining. We need more episodes to come. Thank you, everyone. Yeah.